This is HPR episode 1724 entitled Vim Hints 2. It is hosted by Dave Morris's and is about 26 minutes long. The summary is Hints and Tips for Vim Users Part 2. This episode of HPR is brought to you by anhonesthost.com. Get 15% discount on all shared hosting with the offer code HPR15. That's HPR15. Better web hosting that's honest and fair at anhonesthost.com. Hello everyone, this is Dave Morris with another HPR episode. Today I'm continuing with my series uh, about Vim. I'm calling it Vim Hints because what I'm hoping to do is to give you a sort of a survival guide in the ways of of Vim. Uh, I've entitled this episode Vim at My Homework. And it's about how you avoid losing stuff when you're working with Vim appreciate that we haven't really started uh, looking at how to use Vim yet to do anything, but I thought it would be good as part of the Survival Guide Toolkit to look at the security angle of it first of all, so that when you do get to uh, to actually use it, you can do this with uh, the knowledge that you've got everything pretty secure. One of the first things that you can do is to ensure that Vim is running in the mode where it keeps backup of what you're editing. And uh, to do that, you need to set up a configuration file. I mentioned this in the last episode. I think I mentioned that um, normally the configuration file is called .vimrc, and it's in the home directory. That's certainly the um, one of the options that you have. And that shadows the the way things used to be done under VI. Um, But there's an alternative, which is to create a directory, top-level directory under your home directory called .vim, and then to create a file called vimrc without the dot on the front in that directory. Uh, You choose which one you prefer. Um, This is for Linux, of course. Uh, If you're on Windows, it's called underscore vimrc and... uh, so on. I'm not really going to go into this. I'm not, a, I'm not a Windows user. I don't know about Windows. You can find out more about it in the documentation if you need to do this. Anyway, I prefer to keep my uh, configuration file in the top level directory just because I guess I'm stuck in my ways. It's the way I've always done it. So the very existence of this file makes the program that's sometimes invoked as VI um, behave as if it's Vim, but it's always a good idea to switch on all of the Vim features by explicitly setting the no compatible option. And all you need to do to achieve this is to put a a line in the configuration file 
which consists of set space no compatible no compatible in other words switch off vi compatibility okay you appreciate that vim has come from vi and uh, it will emulate it if you wish it to can't really think why you'd want to but uh, you can if you want to so having got that out of the way the thing i was talking about earlier the backup thing is enabled by on the next line putting set space backup now backup file is a um a file a copy of the file that you're editing which is taken before you actually make any changes so you've got something to fall back on the backup file is saved in the same directory as the file being edited by by default and personally i think this is the best way of doing things but you can if you wish tell vim to put your backups in a different place and there's a command you can add to the configuration file these are all in the show notes by the way which uh, will enable you to do this set backup dir b-a-c-k-u-p-d-i-r equals and then you follow that with a list of directories so you could if you wanted to put a tilde meaning home slash dot backup so if you'd created a dot backup um, directory at the top level then it would write your backup files in there the example shows that being followed by a comma dot which means the current directory if you, if you haven't got a backup directory that means and comma slash tmp so if you don't have a don't have a home directory if you don't have a current directory which might be the case if you're running off um, a, a disk which is not writable then try and write the backup into the temp directory so I wouldn't personally suggest you do this just now just get everything to be written into the same directory as the file itself I would suggest is the best way of going ahead so the next topic um, in the sort of uh, securing things um, section is to talk about undoing changes so you might once you know how to do this you might do something silly like delete a great block of text from your file so or you might make a change in the wrong place or you might do something there's many things you can do we'll come on to some of the some of the large and powerful um, features of vim but of course large and powerful means you can make some pretty horrendous errors so if you do make a mistake then you can undo the the change if you're in normal mode remember we talked about normal normal mode the, the mode you normally start up in and the one that you return to by pressing escape when you're in that mode typing u will undo the last change there's also a redo so if if you undid something and realized no actually that's what i did want to do you can hold down control key and press r normally called control r and um, it will redo the, the last change so vim is actually keeping a record of these changes is keeping many of them you can control how many but we won't go into that just now and you can undo successive changes back in time and control r redoes the uh, the undone changes forward in time it can get a lot more complicated than this because if you think about it you can undo a thing make a change um, and then undo that and so you end up with a sort of tree structure of 
things you've done, things you could undo, and things you could redo. It can get quite complex, and uh, we'll maybe look at this in a in a later episode. Personally, I don't do. I've not really bothered with this much myself, so less. Uh, Unless it, it sort of seems to be appropriate, I'll maybe not get to that, but we'll see, we'll see. I'm going to play this by ear largely, and uh, uh, if I get feedback asking for particular me to go into particular directions, then I will do that. So, one of the things you you can do with Vim, and it's quite good to do this, I believe anyway, is that you can retain your undo history uh, between editing sessions. So there's a thing called an undo file which uh, holds the change history. And what's more, you can put that in an, a directory specifically for this purpose. So it keeps an undo file in, the, in this directory. Um, and I've given examples of how to do this. You need to create the undo directory first. And in my particular case, I've put it under the .vim directory I mentioned earlier. So you would put in your configuration file the line set space undo dir, I-U-N-D-O-D-I-R, equals, and then tilde slash dot vim slash undo dir. So that means I want my undo file or files to be, files, plural, to be put into this directory. And then you'd follow that by enabling the undo file option, that is saving your undo history with the command set space undo file u-n-d-o-f-i-l-e now the consequence of this is that when you start a, an editing session it's possible for you to type u as your first first thing you do what that means is assuming you've been editing this file before it means undo the thing I did last time I was editing it that can be a little bit surprising certainly surprise myself by doing this but uh, it is if you know what you're doing quite a powerful feature so uh, things like you might apply a change <clears throat> to a program test the program find uh, having saved it that is then find oh hell that's that was rubbish i don't want to do that go back start editing the file again press u and undo that change and you're back to where you were before you you did the thing that uh, you wish you hadn't so the, the next topic under this particular heading, keeping your files and your work intact, is a quite large subject of file recovery. Now, there's a lot here. I won't go into a huge amount of detail. I just wanted to give you a sort of taster and a, some, enough to survive with. There's references here that you can follow up if you want to dig deeper. So as Vim is running, it has its own recovery mechanism where it generates a, what's called a swap file. This file is normally under under Unix and Linux, under BSD and Linux, I really mean, or indeed Mac OS. It, uh, the, file is, the file name is built from the name of the file being, being edited with a dot prepended to it, making it a hidden file, and with the extension .swp being stuck on the end. So if you're editing, editing the file test file, the swap file would be called .testfile.swp, and it's in the same directory as the file you're editing. Now you can make Vim write the swap file elsewhere, and there's something to be said for this. You could put it on a different partition so that uh, your 
safer from problems and crashes. You can also switch it off, the, the whole swap file business, but that's not smart. Not a smart thing to do, I would say. And I would suggest leaving things in the default mode until you understand more about uh, about this. Now, the swap file is updated, so it's keeping a history of what, what's going on. It's updated after typing 200 characters, or when you've not typed in anything for four seconds. When you finish editing, when you write your your results, or indeed quit out of it, out of him, then the swap file is deleted. So it's a thing that's present while you're editing, and it's holding a um, recovery information about the edits that you have done. So the issue of recovery is really the the big issue here. What recovery is offering you is the ability to recover from something nasty happening like the power going out or um, your machine crashing for whatever reason. I have been known to open up a uh, SSH session to another machine and then shut it down forgetting that I've actually got an an editor running um, on it. or indeed shut down the machine. There's all manner of daft things that one can do to, to cause problems. If something happens to crash your uh, Vim session, then your swap file will be left behind. And um, if you know that that's the case, you know that something's gone horribly wrong, then you can just simply invoke Vim in its recovery mode to start the recovery process. You do that by typing vim space minus r space and then the file name. You will see that the recovery process will will be invoked. You'll see a a message of the sort that I've included in the show notes. It says using swap file, the name of the swap file, original file, gives you the name of the original file, recovery completed, tells you to check that everything's okay, and um, so on and so forth. And then you can carry on with your editing session. Now the key issue is that it doesn't delete the swap file. The swap file is still there. We'll come on to that in a minute. Now the vim-r thing is, is fine, Personally, I don't use it very often. I tend to just go and do the alternative thing, which is to go back to editing the file I was editing before. And that's the point at which Vim will say, oh, there's a swap file here, and will alert you. Now, you'll see in the show notes an example of the sort of message you'll get, which starts with E325 colon attention says I found a swap file and it gives you the name of the swap file gives you details about when when it was created what file you were editing uh, and then there's a key very key piece of information modified and in, in the example I've given you here yes you might see modified no that means you hadn't changed anything then since you last saved your file so this case, modified yes, is is the critical one. So it then warns you that you could see the same consequences, you could see the same situation if somebody else was editing the file, or you indeed were opening, had opened and ed- were editing the same file in another window or something. Um, that's a possibility. That's another. That's one reason why there might be a swap file. 
But um, the most likely thing is that the edit has crashed, and um, this is is offering you the option of recovering. So you'll get a um, a message saying, "What do you want to do? Do you want to open it read only, edit it, regardless, recover, delete it, delete the swap file that is, quit, abort." Let's assume that you have got a crashed edit session. You see the the message that there are modifications. You want to do the recovery. All you need to do is to press R, and the recovery will go ahead. And it's this: you get the same message as you would have got if you type vim minus R and the file name. Now, here's the thing about the swap file: it's not deleted. It's used for the recovery purposes, but it is not deleted. In fact, the edit session creates a new swap file. In fact, the, the new swap file will have the extension .swo instead of .swp, and Vim keeps on cycling through the last letter of this extension uh, until it runs out. <laughs> seems slightly odd, but anyway, it goes all the way back to A. So, if you... If you if Imagine you've got a situation where you have just recovered and you have said, OK, recover. You've recovered the, the changes. You've now got your file back to the state it was with unsaved changes in it. So you would um, type colon WQ, as we talked about in the last episode, which writes the output and quits the edit. Now, if you do this you will have exited, everything will be safe and fine, but there will still be a swap file left from the crashed session. If you then go back a bit later on and edit the same file again, you will find that Vim comes back with the E325 message saying, I found a swap file. But it will it will warn you that the file that it that you're editing is newer than the swap file. In other words, something weird has happened, as far as Vim's concerned, and the file's changed. Now, all that's happened is the swap file's not been deleted. So you can, at that point, at the, the, at the prompt that I mentioned earlier, use D to delete the file. The only thing about this is that uh, it can be confusing. I find it confusing sometimes. You've done the recovery, you think everything's fine, you've you've done further editing, you've saved your file, you've gone off, done something else, you come back, right, I'm going to edit my file again. You edit it, and it comes back and says, I found a swap file. And you're thinking, what? Eh? Oh, oh, that's that that old swap file from before, right, I'll just delete it. That seems a bit counterintuitive to do it that way. So I've offered you two other ways of dealing with this. You realise that this is Vim being very, very, very cautious. Um, not deleting the the recovery file all on its own. What you could have done is you could have quit, saved your file and quit out of the editor. And then, knowing that there was a swap file, you could have removed it yourself. In the example I've shown you in the show notes, I'm assuming that you've, the file in question is called test file 2. Therefore, there's a um, swap file called dot test file 2.swp where you could simply rm that file get rid of it having recovered it but that's also messy the third possibility is you recover 
you write the changed file out to make everything secure, then you don't quit from Vim, you type the command colon E. What colon E does is it tells Vim to re-edit the file you're already working with. So in other words, it, it starts again as if the file has just seen the file. And in doing so, it checks to see if there's a swap file left around. And it says, oh yes, there's a swap file over there. It gives you the warning that there's a there's a recovery file, but it's that the file that you're editing is newer than the recovery file. So you can then type the D command and come out and uh, delete the swap file and then quit the edit. Or indeed continue to, uh, to do the editing if you want to. Personally, I think option three is the more logical thing to do. But uh, you will need to, to choose the route through this uh, that you prefer for yourself. But I'm raising this because it is one of the slightly weird aspects of Vim that catches people out when they're, they're new to, to using it. In the show notes, I also talk about the case where there are no changes in the swap file. There, instead of it saying modified yes you get the message modified no. So the swap file is not needed. You don't need to recover anything because there was nothing to recover. So you can just press D at the uh, the prompt, open, read only, edit anyway, etc. And uh, you can then ed continue editing the file as normal. So And you know at that point that the swap file has been deleted and everything is fine and dandy. So Hopefully the show notes will help you to get your head around this. Really, I may, I've sort of introduced this quite early, and it might be confusing me doing it that way, but I thought if you had this as a, um, a thing to refer to later on as you use Vim, that uh, you, you will find it uh, helpful to uh, to refer back. So I've added the, the comment that they make in the, the Vim manual, which is, don't panic. The, the recovery thing is a little bit weird, but it uh, it's pretty robust and will get you out of nasty situations where your machine has crashed or something else nasty has happened. So I finish up my show notes with a summary of the changes you should make to the configuration file. I've just listed them all there together. Uh, and... Um, reminding you that you in normal mode will undo a change control r in normal mode will redo a change that you've previously undone and uh, don't forget that restarting vim after a crash will invoke a recovery dialog which we've just been discussing so i hope that's useful and the next episode in this series we will start using vim for proper in for real hope you find that useful okay bye you've been listening to hacker public radio at hackerpublicradio.org we are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday monday through friday Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. 
If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license. Thank you.